At RWJ Barnabas Health, we have a passion for heart health. With the largest adult and pediatric cardiac surgery programs in the state, a heart transplant program that's top 15 in the nation, a partnership with Rutgers Health, the latest technology and medical advancements, and nationally renowned care for every heart in every one of our communities. Whoever your heart beats for, our hearts beat for you. Let's be healthy together. Visit rwjbh.org heart. RWJ Barnabas Health, New Jersey's largest academic health care system and official health care provider of the New Jersey Devils. Let's be healthy together. Learn more at rwjbh.org. Speak of the Devils is supported by Riverside Oral Surgery, official partner of the New Jersey Devils. Hello again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan, along with Amanda Stein. Welcome to the latest edition of Speak of the Devils, our podcast presented by our good friends at RWJ Barnabas Health. Amanda, good to be with you as always. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm very excited about our guest today. Indeed. Well, without further ado, let's welcome Emily Kaplan to our podcast. Emily, we appreciate your time. We know how busy you are. Of course, you're a well-known voice, respected voice in this business uh, with your many platforms on ESPN that you serve the hockey audience and more. So thank you very much for carving out a little bit of your time. I know our audience is excited to hear what you have to say. We know you love the sport. So what is it and when did this love affair begin? What is it about the sport and when did it start? Well, firstly, thank you, Matt and Amanda. And I thought I was brought on here to talk about New Jersey bagels because I'm a New Jersey girl <laughs> um, and I'm displaced right now and I'm missing my bagels, but we can talk about hockey. That's fine. Uh, you know, I grew up in Montclair, New Jersey, um, and my dad was a Sunday sports editor of the New York Daily News. And um, I have middle, I'm a middle child. I think my dad me hates too. Me too. Uh, closer to him inherently. You know, he was gone all of the time because he had this, you know, newspaper job, especially nights and weekends. Um, but he'd come home during the week and we'd watch the NHL. And um, that was his favorite sport. And we would bond just watching it. Um, I always found a love for writing. Um, I was not good at math. And then, you know, as I, I thought about what I wanted to do, and it was from a very young age, I just decided I would be a sports writer. And the fact that I get a cover hockey, which really was my true first love of a sport. It was a sport I grew up watching. Um, I, I just pinch myself every day that I actually get to do this. What do you love about the sport? Oh, um, honestly, it's the speed. I love taking people to their first hockey game, especially if Me they too. like other sports um, and just getting their reaction of, the nonstop action, how difficult it is for these guys to be exerting that physicality, using that skill and also skate backwards on pretty dangerous <laughs> blades um, in an arena that's enclosed and there's nowhere to escape on like other courts or a football field. So um, I just I love going to live hockey games. I just I absolutely adore it. And, you know, I covered football and that's a great sport, too. But there's just something about hockey, the people in hockey, the culture of hockey and humility um, that it just it draws me in. One of the things that I love about taking people to their first hockey games is that they always come out of it like surprised and being like, that was awesome. Like I've never had anyone go to a first hockey game and just be like, well, you know, there's something about that in, in house experience that I don't think is replicated in any other sport. I totally agree. And, you know, we all want the sport to grow. And I think yeah. there are certain accessibility issues of reasons why it hasn't. Um, but we are starting to introduce new fans. And I, I think 
once it can become more accessible to all, once, you know, we introduce it to larger audience, um, it'll just continue to grow because it is such a unique sport. Um, and again, I kind of talked about some of the culture aspects that I love in it. If you think about it, a star player only plays about a third of the game. Like Jack yeah. Hughes is on the ice, off the ice more often than he's on the ice. And there's something about that team element that I think people really begin to appreciate as they're introduced to the sport, because it is unlike, the NBA, it is unlike football where you can just have one great quarterback and that changes the entire complexion of your team. How much, you know, I, I you, you brought up Jack, so I'm just going to jump that. How much does a young generation of personalities like Jack Hughes going to be so integral in bringing in a new generation of fans? Because obviously you did that amazing ESPN piece where you spent time with he and Ty Smith. But Jack, in particular, the type of personality and confidence he has, how in integral is that going to be for the next generation? It's so important. Not to put too much Jack, but pressure on Jack. But Jack, <laughs> your personality But he's, is very he's also important. not the only one, right? Like, you can see oh, it. Like, not. Trevor and, you know, I talked about and that culture. Right. And so I talked about that culture of humility and it's why we love the sport. But in some ways it did hold the sport back um, because guys weren't putting themselves out there. They have this tick where they don't use the pronoun I. They say we or you. And while it's great in some settings for these guys and for the sport to elevate to that next level where we see it on Sports Center every day, where we have that ecosystem where we're talking about Aaron Rodgers' next move and this and that and, and really that high value entertainment level, we need these guys to open up and we need to see who they are because the truth is they have fantastic personalities. They're hilarious. They're so funny. They're so humble. They're just real. But we, we need yeah. to see that. So I give Jack a lot of credit because he's one of the first guys to really put himself out there. But he has this group of peers and you know he's so close with Trevor Zegras. I know they're talking constantly. It's kind of this brat pack, the guys that grew up together you know, at the same tournaments, a lot of them at the U.S. National Team Development Program. Um, and I really love what they're bringing to the sport because it just feels authentic. We are recording this uh, just a few days before Anaheim comes to town to play the devil. <laughs> so it'll be the first time Zegris and Hughes get to square off in the NHL against each other. And I don't know what the heck we're going to see. Sticks in the crowd after <laughs> yeah. a goal. I don't know if we're going to see, you know, the Michigan <laughs> goal or a flip out into the front of the net for a puck batted out of midair. I know they're thinking about something, but again, within the context of the game, which is that conundrum that the league finds itself in, right? We appreciate and understand its history, the fighting that took place. We don't need line brawls and guys hopping over the bench, but it's a physical sport that sometimes spills over into fighting. The league is cutting down on it. It's less and less. I get it. And I applaud it. There are many reasons why that's the case. On the other hand, we look at video highlights and people like, yeah, let's go. Same thing. We want personality. But, hey, Gordie Howe never said that. Wayne Gretzky didn't do that. Mario Lemieux yeah. was a humble guy. So how do we kind of break through that? Or do you think it's happening with these younger guys, Emily? I think it's organic that people are coming around to it. And I think when I think about hockey, every single hockey player, you can ask them, what's your goal? And it's to win the Stanley Cup. Stanley Cup. It's such a championship oriented sport. So as long as you still have the same goal and you can get to that goal, but you can show a little flash, it's okay. So what Trevor Zegers was doing, and he was doing these daring moves in games that we had never seen before, and they're kind of flashing, whatever, the Ducks were winning and he was contributing to the Ducks winning. And that's okay 
And his older captain, Ryan Getzlaff, who's an old school Kyle was cool with it because he's helping the team and he, he still is team oriented. So I think there's a way to marry both while also these kids are all growing up and stick handling around and watching Hey barber and these YouTube and TikTok videos. And it's only natural that it's going to want to come up to the NHL and they can do it as long as they remember the ultimate goal is to help the team win that championship. Yeah, it, it 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 is going to have to happen, and it is developing organically, as you said. It's great to see, by the way. We need to expand our viewing and listening audience, bring more people in, as you, as you discussed earlier here on the podcast. So what did you find out about Jack that maybe we didn't see in the feature that you didn't know? And, you know, what's it like trying to kind of break a barrier, you know, with two young kids that you're kind of coming into their lives, you want something, they're trying to figure out what's the goal here. Can you kind of pull back the curtain on that a little bit? For sure. Well, firstly, I was just so grateful that Jack agreed to it. Um, you know, like we said, guys don't put themselves out there very, very much. And the fact that he kind of had faith of saying, we, we sold him this idea where we want to showcase who you really are, who you are authentically. Um, and he bought in and he put a lot of faith in us because he invited us into his home, um, which he shares with Ty, um, a little behind the scenes color. Jack was very late that day. He was after re- rehabbing and he kept putting it back an hour and an hour. So Ty was an unbelievable host. I was just hanging out on the couch for like a couple hours, um, shooting the, watching football pregame and talking about all of that. Anyways, um, the truth is, is I think the reason that he opened up and and what I learned about him is that I learned that he's just a real guy. He's so authentic. He just seems like a typical 20, 20 year old who's living in Hoboken, likes to ride on his scooter, go to the deli on Sundays, has a cracked phone screen, is just constantly watching his fantasy team when he's um, watching TV. And I'm like, this looks like all of my guy friends. It looks like my little sister's boyfriend. Like this just feels very real. And so being able to be in their setting and their environment and just kind of capture a day, um, I think allowed him to trust us that we were showing who he really is. And that's just what we want to convey to the audience. And I think it's so important because one of the questions I get asked most about Jack, you know, when you see him in interviews, like, is he really like that? Like, is that a show? Is that, and I'm like, no, that no matter what, no matter they're winning, they're losing. When Jack comes to the podium, when Jack talks to you, he is his authentic self. And I think that is what you're talking about in terms of having that freedom for this next generation to be who they are unapologetically. 1000%. Um, Like my new favorite word, and I feel like I just use it too often, but it's authentic. And I think this generation of players, I hear this from coaches all the time. They don't need to, players don't need to agree with why something happens. They just need to know why it happens. And they kind of demand this transparency um, and authenticity and, I think when you look at Jack Hughes, he exemplifies that better than anyone I know. Um, You know, he is who he is. He's funny when he's funny. He can be upset when he's upset. He's confident, but that's just who he is. And he's like, I'm not going to apologize. I just grew up a confident, happy kid. Um, And we can just accept that. And I think it's really cool and pretty precocious to see someone at that age not be insecure and just show up who who they are. And I also think that, you know, when you think about Jack and where he is and the type of team he's on right here in New Jersey, where he is part of this core that's all around the same age, that's only a huge benefit because I think it allows, you know, the other guys around them, around Jack to feel they can be their authentic selves. And 
that's what you want for a franchise, especially one that's up and coming uh, with, you know, young talent like Dawson Mercer and, and other guys, right? For sure. And, you know, I've, I've heard it from guys and other teams, you know, when younger players come into the league, they're sometimes intimidated by, um, you know, the veterans in the room and, and they kind of feel like, I don't know, like, can I act a certain way and make sure I need to appease them. And for Jack, like you said, he's surrounded by some young talent, but also the veterans, I think, have accepted him. I mean, you yeah. do have K. Subban, who's the elder statesman <laughs> in the locker room. That's someone who is really ahead of his time putting himself out there and who he really is. Dougie Hamilton, the sense I get is that he's super welcoming of these guys and, and who they want to be. And it's like, yeah, if this is who you are, show up as that. And they're not it's not necessarily I don't want to say bullying culture that happens in other places, but um, it's almost like rookie hazing culture where you just need to pay your yeah. dues, work your way up, that everyone can just be who they are and everyone accepts it. How much do you think? Sorry, Maddie. Before, how much do you think a relaxed um, dress code has also helped? Right. I think that that's been something we've seen the last couple of years where it's not like, you know, your typical suit and tie all the time. It almost feels like players have, you know, first started by expressing themselves outwardly through their crazy outfits that they're just comfortable in wearing. That's where I started to see the shift in culture personally. No, I, I think for sure it's related and I'd love to see more NHL teams embrace it. There is something about being respectful and wearing a suit and tie. And I think there's a, a time and a place for it. At the same time, there are places where it's kind of antiquated and it's like, let guys show off who they are. Let them be comfortable to the rank. If they wear a cool Versace sweater or they wear a tie and suit that they've worn every day, they're probably going to perform the same. That's the truth <laughs> to it. Um, so let them have a little fun with it. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm laughing because uh, they don't, they're not superstitious. They'll say, no, I, I'm not superstitious. I just have some customs that I follow <laughs> every day. It just so happens that I scored a goal every time I wore this tie. <laughs> my custom is to wear the tie, but, but you're right. You know, like if that's your mindset yeah. and you yeah. want to be in that space, like there's no judgment, just let everyone be themselves. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know what? And that, that goes for this world, by the way, we're not going to get on that tangent, but <laughs> could we just let everybody be themselves more and more that's Fair. happening, but there's such pushback on that, on that. Uh, as you uh, go around the league in your role with ESPN, what, what are people saying about the New Jersey devils? What have you seen? What are others that you talk to other executives and players saying about what's happening with the devils. Honestly, the biggest thing I've heard this season is that Jack Hughes is starting to look like a player um, that he's really taken that next step to be a star. And I think everyone knew that he was capable of it, but when you're a rookie and you're a first round pick and there's so much pressure on you, your first season doesn't quite go as planned and you never know, okay, was it just a blip and can this guy get past it? Or is this a downward trend? And, you know, did we whiff on this pick? And I think each year Jack has improved and this year he's just kind of taken that next step when you're like, this is a player to build around. You know, people in the league are also high on Nico Heeshear. I think there's a belief though, that the devils have the right pieces here. Um, they just, they need more. And, you know, unfortunately, Dougie Hamilton was injured for, you know, a piece of this year and there was goaltending wasn't quite where it is. And there's definite pieces um, that need addressing in the near future. At the same time, the core of what the devils have is great and it's worthy of building around. And I think people have a lot of faith um, in your GM Fitzgerald that he's a guy that knows what he's doing and he's probably going to make some big stamps on this roster in the next couple of years. And they're only, on the trajectory to get better and better and better. 
Well, I think that echoes what we've all seen up close. Uh, and it's good to hear that that's the opinion that's held around the league as well. There's so many young stars. I was mentioning the other night at a, a season ticket member event that we had in which uh, Tom and Marty Brodeur uh, addressed a group of season ticket holders. You know, we can say Jack Hughes and Dawson Mercer can't legally buy a drink in New Jersey. <laughs> They're both 20, but half this team can't rent a car. They're not 25. They they go to their Hertz or Avis or national car counter. They they can't rent the car. It's it's an incredibly young team. Anyway, it's, it's, it's a really developed. young team. Yeah, and there's got Which to be fun solutions though, along the way. I'm sorry. For sure. And it's sorry, I'm edit that out. This is a real job. Pete, <laughs> that was Andy. That's a that's a source. That's a source that's calling, a Emily. Giving no, some no. Um, but yes, no, the Devils are a super young team. They're honestly, I think they're the youngest in the league. Them, Columbus, yes. New York is pretty young as well. And it's going to be fun to watch that rivalry. I know that the uh, Rangers might be just a step ahead right now, but I think the Devils are going to catch up pretty quickly. And for the next couple of years, that's going to be a fun one to watch. A quick one before I forget, in your role with the SPN, whether it's writing, hosting, or being a guest on a podcast, et cetera, the role that intrigues me the most is that between the bench because it's not a position that I've ever had the opportunity to be at. How cool is it? What did you learn that you didn't know about hockey? Cause you've been around the sport for a while and you understand it and love it. But until recently, maybe never had that perspective. Like what's it like in this fastest game being that close? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the first thing is a, just a new appreciation or a deeper appreciation for just how fast the game is, how physical it is, how many things that could be such big moments happen in every single shift. Um, you know, it's just, there's always something happening and there's always a little storyline or drama or moment. And, um, it just, it all unfolds in for your eyes and you're just blown away by it. Um, you know, sight lines. I always heard coaches talk about sight lines. I sometimes hear officials talk about sight lines. I appreciated sight lines a lot better being down there. Um, you know, there's a lot of time a goalie screened or maybe a defenseman or a back checking forward doesn't see something. And as a viewer from watching from the camera angles, we're like, how could they possibly have done that? Um, being down on that level, you just, have a little bit more empathy for it. And another thing that was interesting was just the relationship with the officials. Um, you know, they're constantly managing the game in a way that is not exactly what you expect. They're talking to guys, they're managing their emotions, they're communicating. I can't tell you how many times players are complaining to them. It's pretty much after every single shift of something that they don't like. Um, <laughs> and they've got to, you know, navigate that. So I, I have a new appreciation for the officials as well as the relationship that the officials have with players, because it's a unique one and a very undercovered one. How do you decide, you know, when the broadcast goes to you, what you almost can and can't share because it is such a privileged position and you're hearing things, you know, that no one else other than the rest, the players and the coaches here, how do you sort of navigate what you feel comfortable sharing and what you don't? It's a great question. And, you know, I'm a journalist by background and there's there certain ethics that I think about all the time. You know, I would never say something on the broadcast that, if I walked to that player's locker the next day, I couldn't stand behind and say, yeah, I reported this for a reason on the broadcast because it told the story of the game in X way. It wasn't trying to portray in a certain way. I wasn't trying to slander. I wasn't just trying to gossip. Like 
it was actually important to tell the story of the game. And as long as I can stand behind everything I say and, and feel like I could face the music the next day, as you will, um, I'm cool with saying it. I probably share a little bit more than most do. Um, I'm new to that position. Uh, one of the reasons they wanted me there um, is because I'd never been there before and I would notice things that maybe a viewer had. And yeah. sometimes like the chirping is so hilarious or so interesting <laughs> that I'm like, this deserves to be shared because this is what fans actually want to know. And I know yeah. sometimes the ex-players are a little more protective guys, but none of the guys have complained to me of any of the chirps I've shared yet. So <laughs> they know where to find me. It literally is what people want to hear. Like it really is. It is the insider. Hey, how much did you mention your, your journalist, how much did growing up in that household, what lessons did your dad impart on you as uh, he was working for the daily news? And I guess, did he work for other uh, publications as well? He did. He started at the Associated Press um, for a lot of years in New York City, um, covering Islanders games, De Rangers, I think Devils. He'll probably yell at me with a fact check later. Um, <laughs> and that's the thing to fact check is that um, he like the AP, is that's what you get in the newspaper. It's just the aggregate that goes all around the country. It's a wire service and it just has to be facts. And there was such a high level of you know standards and ethics that have to go into that. As an editor, you're the last line of defense of things that go into the paper. And I think the one thing I learned from my dad was just attention to detail. Um, and, and some of those ethics lessons that I learned too, of you know, being able to stand behind your word and, and make sure that you can maintain relationships, but also report on what's actually going on and report the truth to serve your audience. Um, and, and finding that balance, he was really great at, at those topics. And we would have a lot of conversations about them growing up because he's kind of a journalism nerd. <laughs> and you're so lucky to have had that because I think in particular, there's a lot of women who, myself included, I will throw myself in this. When I first started, I was so nervous to speak up in a scrum or ask a question, right? When I first went into the Montreal Canadiens locker room. And I would remember that another reporter would effectively go before me. And it was the question that I wanted to ask but I doubted myself before, you know, that, that other reporter asked. So how much did that serve you in getting your foot in the door and, you know, kind of exploding into this, this big situation where you are now as a, you know, with ESPN? Yeah, I think that's a common experience for women, um, quite frankly, when you don't see yourself represented and you you kind of have imposter syndrome of, do I deserve yes. to be here? Can I be here? Do I have an equal voice as some of the men? You know, I don't know if I, I necessarily battled it as badly, but there's certain thoughts that kind of creep into my head sometimes where I'm always second guessing myself and saying like, if yeah. I was a dude, I probably wouldn't have second guessed it. I just would have went for it. Um, and I do think it comes with maturity and experience and, 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 you know, having a network of other females where you can share experiences with, and, and sometimes we can learn from each other's experiences and, and not repeat the same patterns again and again. Um, but yeah, it's a totally common experience and um, it's all about just developing confidence and, and realizing that, you know what, you do belong and you can stand behind what you say um, because you're qualified to be there. Who are some of the women, you know, obviously there are uh, men, your dad, you were talking about, but some of the first women that you met to create that relationship um, and, and, and give you that sense of belonging. You know, um, there's a Taylor Swift quote. There's a special place <laughs> for women. There's a special place in hell for women who are mean to other women. Um, I don't love Taylor Swift, but I love that quote when I don't butcher it. And um, 
I think as women, we're sociologically conditioned to believe there's only a certain amount of space on the top um, and that we all must be competitive because we can't all get there. Um, yep. And when I first started the job at covering hockey, Isabel Grishudian, who was covering the Washington Capitals for the Washington Post, came up and introduced herself to me. My first thought was, oh, my God, she wants my job. Like, <laughs> I know the feeling. Then I, I know it. Then I realized that, no, she just wanted to be my friend and share her experiences and have somebody to talk to on the road and and those type of things. And I felt so guilty for thinking that originally and then so lucky that she broke that barrier. And we have one of the strongest relationships. She's in Ukraine right now reporting for The Washington Post. She's the bravest person I know. Um, but there's so many times that I just need to vent about something that happened or explain something that happened or be proud of something Anything. that happened and having that network of a woman who just has been in your shoes and gets it is it's the most important thing from start to where you are now are, are you seeing more influx because i know you know when i first walked into a locker room i could look around and i was like okay maybe me and one other person but now you're you know going to press conferences where there are tons of women there now Sure, for sure. And visibility totally matters. Um, it matters yeah. to see women on TV and the radio. It matters to Devils fans that they see Amanda Stein as part of the coverage um, because then it's just normalized. And then little kids can watch it and more will be inspired to do it because if you see it, you can believe it. Um, whereas before, for you and I growing up, we didn't get to see that. And so we kind of had to forge our own paths a bit. Like I've never seen a woman who looks like me with my background in the exact role I'm in. I kind of feel like I created it and it was harder. Um, and so for the next yeah. woman who, you know, might have a background or looks like me or sounds like me might be a bit easier. Yeah. And, and, you know, the other thing is, is the next generation. Right. And to me, it's the young kids who will come up to, I watch all your videos and all that and want to know about me. And it's not because it's about me, but it's because they have someone to look to. I remember meeting this one girl and she just started crying. And I was just like, this is such a bizarre experience for me. I wish I had had that. And it feels so privileged. And I'm sure you feel the same way to be part of that generation where we, we have done a little bit, you know, we've left this sport in a better place than it was when we got here. For sure. No. And that's, that's all you really want to do. And I, it's a really sweet story that you shared because you're right. Oh, um, you know, I was like, <laughs> all about, yeah, what you do is for the next generation. So that's sweet. Well, indeed, it's great to have you as a guest. Uh, the stories you shared, uh, most recently the ones you discussed with Amanda, are really compelling and awe-inspiring. And uh, both of you are part of the next generation, current generation, but the next generation that will follow you into this business. And so uh, thank you so much, Emily, for your time and to keep up the good work. What's next? Where are you headed? <laughs> Lucky girl, I got to go to Buffalo. Um, I'm still waiting for the first assignment at the Prudential Center. Um, I don't have any scheduled for the end of the year, but maybe next year. I got to have a homecoming between the benches there. So if my bosses are listening, that's my request. If you need, I'm going to put bagels in the in like between the benches. Montreal bagels are going between the benches. We, when you're we can find some in Montclair, by the way, that will blow the doors <laughs> off of Montreal bagels. Let's Thank be honest. You. Yeah, exactly. please order them from Hot Bagels Abroad on Valley Ave. You know, if you know, you know, Valley Road. There you go. There you go. Well, Emily, thank you so much. And again, we will support that effort to get you into Prudential Center. We will. Uh, just let us know who we need to email or tweet 
out at the, on social media. We'll make sure that we can add our support to that effort. Thanks so much for your time. Just a terrific period of time we spent with Emily. I, I've not met her. I admired her work. And yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed Great. that she won't be at The Rock before the end of the season, but looking forward to getting to know her a little bit more and meeting her in person. Really good guest. Yeah, she really is. She's awesome. And she's done so much. Um, she's really, you know, I, I like what she said, you know, there's part of what she's done. She's kind of carved out. It had never been done before, whether it was between the benches and she really is building a path. And we came into the business roughly at the same time, but she's someone I look up to too, you know, that, and that's what she was talking about, right? We, we have this community. So it's, it's a, it was really, I, I really enjoyed talking to her. Indeed. And we look forward to seeing more of her work on ESPN. And don't feel bad, Amanda. I know you're Montreal proud. <laughs> and I know Montrealers love those bagels. But listen, she's a Jersey girl. I'm I a know. Jersey guy. Which is why we I know where the be- we, we know where the best bagels are. And New York can have theirs, but right here in the Garden State. I'll let you have it. I don't believe you. I'll just humor <laughs> you. You know, and I had to bring up the bagels because I know she is a huge bagels fan and a big proponent of the Jersey bagel. And uh, I, you know, get on everyone's nerves here in New Jersey, you know, touting my Montreal bagel. And when we go to Montreal, I bring them home on the plane and walk her in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, (laughs) we, we, we can't fault you for what you like, but but let me just say, if you know, you know, when it comes to Jersey bagels. (laughs) I don't know that we'll ever end a podcast on a note like that. We may have said history by doing so. Amanda, always good to spend time with you. Always a pleasure being here and uh, being your co-host. Thank you for having me. Oh, listen, it is my pleasure. It's always great to work alongside you. And uh, today was no exception. Thanks to our producer, Andrew McLean, and special thanks to Emily Kaplan for sharing her time with us. And of course, as always, thank you to our audience for joining us on Speak of the Devils, presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. Your company is always appreciated. We thank you for it. Until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you soon.